This is the Wesson Walker Show. Aaron Rodgers again. Uh, I, 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 I think if I come back, I can win another MVP. No, you can't. It's Wes. I, I, I can't. I don't want to do the dunk. Just, I don't want to play an all-star game. The season's too long. Get out of here. Zion, get back on the court. And Walker. But somebody said I looked like Kyle Singler one time, and I wanted to fight him. No, 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 don't point. Don't point. Don't Walker, point. Walker Filipowski. No. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. I still need to learn swimming lessons. <laughs> oh, judge me. take i'll roll with this how about that being the best fire fizzle of all time it's up there man it's, it's a top fiver i would say so I, it might even give it top three the fi- you know i gotta think about you it. know you got a decent hot take when it doesn't immediately get slammed and people have to think about it but it is indeed hot because they don't want to go in because it's too hot but they can't also denounce it immediately i feel strong about that one people are loving it panther bow Impeccable research on the text line is what he said. 704, NC themed fire fizzle. Greatest segment ever. A bunch of fire emojis. (laughs) A lot of people digging what we got with the fire fizzle with the North Carolina staples. We also had people writing in about how they like their liver mush or if they like it at all. 704 said. We're going to put that on the socials if you guys want to relive it. At Walker Mail, at Wes Bryant underscore 72, at HTB underscore Josh, at Wes and Walker. Follow any of them. Follow all of them. You have your options there. 704 wrote in, stir liver pudding. Yeah, you can't put the G at the end, right? We all agree on that. You yeah, can't, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you liver gotta, pudding. Call it liver pudding. Stir liver pudding or liver mush if you prefer. In with your grits. They said they can't eat it without grits. Th- this is. Uh, there's people that like that. There's yeah. people that like it. I think liver mush, I don't care how you eat it. Like, you know, with the uh, bacon, egg, and cheese or liver mush, egg, and cheese. I used to, have, when I came home in Catawba County with a couple of my buddies, we'd go over to their grandma's house, and grandma used to have a diet cherry Pepsi and a liver mush sandwich for us. Because mm. some, Chris from Belmont, I'm with you. Gotta have mayo with it. You ain't lying. Oh, no, it's good. It's good, <laughs> oh, Fitty. No. You should try it on a sandwich, <laughs> breakfast sandwich, lunch sandwich, whatever you want. If you want to eat it plain, if you want to eat it with the grits, the eggs, it just is so good all the way around. I like it best as a side. I either like it with biscuits, toast, and eggs. Uh, I'll eat it in a biscuit, too, or a good old-fashioned liver mush sandwich between uh, two pieces of bread. But I don't put anything on mine. I like it just plain. I'm, I'm good. Is it true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love liver mush. I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Oh, there you go. There you go, Walker. Yeah, go we're ahead. some liver mush guys. We're the liver mush boys. <laughs> that sounds like the greatest bluegrass band name of all time. The liver mush boys, yeah. The, the liver mush. We need to have an intro for that. Somebody out there, DJ Skinner, he's texted in. Maybe he can create a beat for us. I want the liver mush boys. I want that track, and I want that to be the new opener. Here's another thing I wanted to play with, because I think we came up with a genius bit for the show during the break we talked about it you mentioned it west how we're up to some nonsense during the break mm-hmm. right we t- spew a lot of jokes out mm-hmm. whatever we're talking about and i want to during the commercial break 
maybe this is a, I know Colin's listening, but maybe this is a ask for forgiveness rather than permission thing. But during the commercial break, if we say something funny that is truly worthy of getting a thumbs up, Fitty usually goes to the drums. Maybe we could go to the drums even during the commercial break so people are listening and they know, oh, something funny happened behind the scenes. <laughs> I like that bit. Yeah. I want to have that start rolling around here. And so, Fitty, we make them work even during the breaks, maybe work a little bit harder. But if you want to be a dynamic producer, then these are the responsibilities that you have. Yeah, look, uh, I'm willing to stand up to management and say this is <laughs> this should make it easier for you to get you know sponsorship in the building because we're going to bring more awareness to it because we're going to be hitting – Sound That's effects. what I'm saying. People yeah. are going to stick around. They're going to want to know if we were saying some funny stuff behind the scenes. They're going to want to stick around to hear if we what it actually was once we do hop back on yes. the mic. I'm with it. Um, a lot of people are giving us more liver mush. Take. Yeah, DJ Skinner, I'm not playing. He says he's got us. Liver mush boys for life. We live much boys for life. We yeah. ain't. You gotta work <laughs> in. You gotta no work way. in a, a, a uh, Eric Collins reference in the intro because no that's that's just what you gotta do. I'm really excited about all the things that we're about to embark on. No doubt, man. <laughs> I'm excited. Show for all is of us. ever evolving. Let's evolve again. Time now. Remember, for the I live put Shamadi on Liver Mush too. Okay. Yes, Ashley Shamadi. I remember that segment yeah. when Wes was the co-host um, over at Spectrum Center during home games. Got Ashley Shamadi on Liver Mush. See, if you try it, then you're gonna. And like she it. liked it. Yeah. That's how. That's how it's gonna be. That's how it's gonna be. Fitty hit us with a live wire. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west, up north to the down south. Live wires connect. It was coordinator day over at Bank of America Stadium. We'll hear some audio starting here off with Thomas Brown, who addressed the lack of tight end production we've seen in the offense after Hayden Hurst had a big uh, outing in Week One. I think we talk about attacking uh, a defense from a pass game standpoint. We'll have specific plans week to week when it comes to attacking single high man, uh, whether it be single, single high zone, whether it be what we call 99 cover 33 week or three deep zones, or even from a two high shell standpoint. So it's more based off of the pit progression from a quarterback standpoint and guys getting open the rhythm and timing of a play. That answer satisfied the lack of tight end targets we've seen from Hayden Hurst since the game at Atlanta. You know, when Bryce Young, we didn't talk about it as much. When Bryce Young was asked about the lack of targets towards Hayden Hurst after the New Orleans Saints contest, he said it's not necessarily his decision. It was something to the tune of that being coaching, not targeting Hayden Hurst. And the Saints are better at covering tight ends than some of the other squads. So it's not like I had a huge problem with it. But after game one, Wes, I thought Hayden Hurst was going to be a lot more involved than I had even given him credit for heading into the season. It's tailed off a little bit. How big of a role do you expect him to have going forward? Uh, yeah, I, I think about that as well. And so when you look at it, I know NFL coaches, they're no different. Like I said, it's like basketball or any other sport. You're going to find the matchups that work for you. These coaches watch these teams. They know what they're good at defending and what they're not. And I feel like probably the last two weeks, Hayden Hurst hasn't had the best matchup, one that they feel like that they could exploit like they did uh, the game when he played really, really well uh, in Atlanta. So I think that when you talk about, oh, was that New Orleans? That was that was Atlanta when he scored. 
Yeah, that was Atlanta when I'm he sorry, scored. I got enthralled with Flems. No, you're That's good. right, Flems Yeah, so Atlanta in. when he scored. So I know that they're just trying to find the right matchups, and they feel like certain matchups are better than others, and I think they do that with receivers as well, unless you're a number one guy like a Devontae Adams or somebody like that, where they're going to try to get you the ball regardless. But I think that uh, Hayden Hurts is definitely going to pop back up in the offense, and it could see it this week against a Minnesota Vikings defense that uh, definitely gives up their share of passing yards and points. So this could be a week where uh, they open things up in the middle and he's able to thrive. Well, and couch coach Kyle wrote in, it's wild Hayden Hurst isn't getting more targets, seeing how tight ends are usually considered a safe valve for QBs. I think the whole QBs are a young quarterback's best friend thing is overused. You actually don't see them targeted as much. And that's been proven. And it has been. I, I will say the Frank Reich factor, I thought, would change that though because he does like throwing to the tight ends then we got Hayden Hurst performance in week one where they were targeting him a lot the touchdown went to Hayden Hurst one of the interceptions in the middle of the field went to Hayden Hurst I thought okay this is the wrinkle in the Frank Reich Frank Reich offense that we can expect to see but hasn't happened the last two games maybe against Minnesota he gets involved once more what else you got for the live wire, Fitty? All right, let's transition over to the defensive side of the football. And we talked at nauseum all summer that the Panthers had to find a pass rusher opposite Brian Burns. And, you know, Houston has been a nice uh, acquisition so far this year. But YGM has quietly done some nice things. Hasn't got the type of praise you'd think because we basically labeled him a bust before this year started, but his production has not been lost on Ajero Avera, who said uh, his breakout's been much needed for this defense. He's done a great job. Uh, start off, you know, he's on the edge. He's an outside backer. He's going to play defensive end for us in our nickel package, and uh, he can rush. He can set the edge. He can play the run game. He's done all those things really well. And when you look at those known passing situations, when you're just trying to get your best rusher out there, regardless of position, uh, his ability to move inside, show that flexibility, to rush on guards, to rush on centers, to work all those uh, pass games inside. And he's done a great job of learning it and uh, showing that flexibility. And it's been really good for our team. Well, maybe this will be an example of player development because definitely we thought YGM was going to be a guy on the outs. But if you look right now, he's on pace to break his career best season of three and a half sacks from 2021. He's already got a sack and a half on the year and a tackle for loss. Uh, You love to see it because he looks like a guy that's looking to step up. Who knows? Is that that Justin Houston veteran leadership that's helped him as he's come in? Is it Brian Burns also maturing and helping YGM to be able to find his way to the quarterback regardless of the fact he's getting the job done? Uh, He's got five tackles on the year and a sack and a half, but he's definitely over there splitting that time with Justin Houston, and it looks like the tutelage and whatever else he's added to his bag right now is working out because he looks well on pace for a career season when you're talking about sacks. Well, and and not that it would erase all of the mistakes that this front office has made when it comes to drafting. It would help a little bit. If YGM starts to produce, and he's been playing the last couple of games against Atlanta, only played four snaps total, Played 42 against New Orleans, 41 against Seattle, and had about 20 pass rushing opportunities in each of those games. He's been getting after the passer, and that's all we want from him? I I mean, yes, I want you to play well in the run game. I want you to tackle. He's actually posted pretty good tackling grades throughout his career. But really, the next step for him in his development was getting after the passer at a much higher rate. He showed that against New Orleans. Starting to do it a little bit. He was active against Seattle. I'm hoping for him, man. Like, hopefully this is the time where he can really start to be productive in this defense. What else you got for us, Fitty? All right, well, let's go to a topic we did not get to during the campus corner, which is everyone's favorite topic in college sports. 
And that's conference realignment. And yesterday, good friend of the show, good friend of the station, Gene Sapikoff, reported that the Clemson Tigers uh, could look to exit the ACC by the end of the year. And he joined Kyle Bailey yesterday in the afternoon to explain why he thinks that's the case. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's been uh, fairly clear probably since about the summer of 2022 that some ACC schools, most notably Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina, really, to me, jumping into it with that Board of Trustees blast at the Cal-Stanford-SMU edition on September 1st, the night before the official announcement. I mean, I think uh, it's just a matter of time and my story in the Charleston Post and Courier was basically that Clemson people over the last couple of weeks have been telling me some sort of move, at least regarding Clemson, is coming sooner than later and probably before the end of the 2023 calendar year. If you remember when conference alignment took off in the mid-2010s when Maryland left, Rutgers left, Colorado left, everyone thought that Clemson and Florida State would wind up in the Big 12. Of course, the Big 12 has changed since the last decade or so. Is that still on the cards, though? Or is if, if Clemson's leaving, is it just for the SEC or the Big 10? Well, from what I've seen, and we'll get into this more probably tomorrow, but from what I've seen, I think Clemson is leaning towards the SEC, but uh, their rivals up the road are trying to uh, put a stop to that. And so that's another addition to their rivalry because they're saying that South Carolina is definitely uh, leaning towards trying to block Clemson from entering the SEC. But I think that's their league of choice at the moment. But if they're not able to go there, uh, obviously they'll try to look to some other leagues. Well, this is the thing about keeping some of the ACC programs out of the SEC. Florida doesn't want Florida State in there. South Carolina doesn't want Clemson. Those are the two best football programs in in the ACC, at least from a viewing standpoint for Florida State and on the field product, even if it's a down year for Clemson. From an on-the-field product, it's still Clemson over the last decade. But you have a couple schools trying to block them. Here's my thing, too, and we here's the second reference. Big shout-out to Ovius and Gilio uh, on YouTube and go check them out on their podcast. But I remember them talking about how real G's move in silence like lasagna. Okay, God, so that's a good line. yeah, well, Wheezy's staring right at me on Wes's shirt, so I decided to grow with a lame okay. uh, name. A shout out to him, but the teams that actually move conferences, they don't do so shooting a flare, letting everybody know they're about to do it. We didn't see that with Texas and Oklahoma, but Florida State, they were telling everybody that would listen to them, "Hey, we're about to change. We're going to do it. I promise you." <laughs> and Clemson. They just continued to be quiet about it all. And we all knew they probably were looking for a way out, but they weren't nearly as vocal as Florida State was. And now with Clemson looking to, there's a report about how there's a real chance that they might just sneak on out of the ACC. They're doing it silently, not letting everybody know, not throwing a tantrum like Florida State was. It makes more sense in the way that we've seen big schools move from their conferences in the past. So to me, it feels like that's the road that I would expect a team to take if they move conferences compared to what Florida State was about to do. Let's go. You got anything else on that one? No, no, no. Let's go uh, on to another highlight from the live wire. All right. I'm going to save the Taylor Swift audio for maybe tomorrow's edition of Time to Trend because we got to get in this Tyree Kill audio. He was on Twitch the other night <laughs> with Mike Evans playing. I believe Shroppy said they were playing Fortnite. I'm not quite sure what video game they were playing. <laughs> But Tyreek Hill has made it known when his current contract is up, he's retiring. And, uh, well, he expressed what his next career field might be. 
Post you retire, you doing, you gonna be all over the huh? You gonna be on TV, everything. Huh? Nah, when I retire, bro, I really want to be a porn star, though, bro. Like, dead serious. Like, y you think I got that? <laughs> no? <laughs> nah, I mean, it's, it's whatever you want, bro. I ain't, you know, <laughs> on that. Yeah, bro. Like, I really, I really think I... <laughs> But they didn't one, give him anything. But one when he asked, I mean, how's he supposed to answer that when he says, "You think I got that?" What, yeah, what? what is he supposed to say? Well, yeah, man, I've seen you, man. I, I yeah. think you got it. <laughs> what kind of answer did he want? Yeah. He's like, y'all don't believe in me. Yeah, y'all, y'all aren't uplifting me in my dreams. Yeah, nobody said a word. <laughs> I think they were so shocked that he said that. It's like, and then it wasn't even after they were like. Uh, yeah, do what you want, bro. Like, yeah. yeah, you got it. Whatever yeah. you want, bro. Okay. It's a great point by you, though. It's like, no, Tyreek, you'd be great at that, dog. <laughs> like, man, you'd be excellent. Listen, man. Shoot you know, for the stars. <laughs> what you supposed to say? Yeah, man, I know, you know, I wasn't supposed to be looking when we went to the shower, but hey, man, you got it. You're going to be good. Hey, man, look, I, I've seen your film. I've seen your tape. You've done a great job, man. <laughs> Just like one wide receiver from Miami, this is good for you. Yeah, man, that's wild. Reach for the stars. All right. Well, that's a hell of a note we're going to end on for the <laughs> Live wire. We'll move on. We'll talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. The defense has it lived up to the hype so far. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back, folks, to the show with the most. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Text line been on fire today. We love it. Keep it coming. 704-570-9610. Panthers taking on the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. And so when we get into this matchup, we've talked a lot about the offense and some of the shortcomings that they have had this season so far. But let's talk a little bit about the defense. A lot was made when Jero Evero came over from Denver, and a lot of people felt like he could take this defense to the next level. And so when we look at it, especially after Sunday's matchup, and we know a lot of injuries happened, Frankie Louvu went out mid-game, and that hurt this team. J.C. Horn's been gone for a while. Uh, and so now when you look at it, what do you feel about this defense so far? Have they lived up to the hype? And before we begin the discussion, uh, we could get into the numbers here. And so they're top five in the league when you talk about uh, yards per play uh, average that they give up as a defense. That's a market improvement over the previous year. Also, when you look at sacks on the season, this team is getting it done in that department. And that was the one place where I said for sure you're talking about the mark of a, a really good intimidating defense that top for third in the league in sacks. Uh, total sacks, actually. And then when you look at this team, uh, their red zone defense, that's one of the areas where you want to see a little bit of improvement. Uh, they're near the bottom of the league in that area in seven red zone attempts from teams. They've given up five touchdowns. So you want to keep teams out of the end zone and be able to stiffen up when you're uh, able to get those opportunities because you look at a team like, man, the Cleveland Browns, their red zone defense is crazy. They haven't given up a red zone touchdown yet this season for comparison. But I think this offense has a lot to be, or this defense, should I say, has a lot to be excited about in what they've done. They just need to be able to put it all together as a team and have both units playing on one accord. Yeah, 100%. I think if you look at this defense and what they've done so far, 
Second half against Seattle, it didn't go well. And <clears throat> I think is if you're just going to break all of these games up into the halves, that's probably the most disappointing one. Geno Smith got going. The running game, we've seen them exploit Carolina defenses so far, whether it be Atlanta's running game, which is one of the better rushing attacks in all of football, and Seattle, who does have a good offense, especially when you're starting to go down with some of these injuries, it's going to be a lot harder to figure out how to manufacture good performances. But Carolina ranks in the top 10 total yards allowed. I know you were going some of, uh, over some of the stats. <sighs> yeah, I think if you look at the job that Ajero Avero has done, one thing that is a lot better than what we expected coming into the season, Wes, it's their pass rush. That was a real question. We thought it might be better for, remember, we were going with, uh, was it B.J. Ojolari out of LSU in the second round we were interested in? You didn't have anybody you felt good about opposite of Brian Burns, but Burns has been fantastic. Derek Brown is putting together another good year, just like he did last season. Justin Houston, that pickup, I think that's already paying dividends for you just as a pass rushing standpoint. And YGM, as we mentioned last segment, starting to show up a little bit. So that's actually a lot better, I think, most people than most people expected. Cornerbacks going down, J.C. Horn, hurt again. Xavier Woods, he's out. We like Sam Franklin. Hopefully Sam Franklin can just be a plug-and-play type of guy where you feel good about him. Yeah, I think Jero Vero is doing the most with what he has and making this a very respectable defense so far. Yeah, and so when you look at it, when you talk about those pass rush numbers, like we said, in sacks per game, they're almost a full sack and a half better than what they were last year. 2022, this team averaged 2.1 sacks per game. This season, they're averaging 3.3. And then when you want to talk another area, too, where you definitely want to see some improvement, they're tied for 31st in the league in turnovers. They only got an interception yeah. this season, and that's it. And so another mark of a great defense. And you can't do it all in one year. Maybe it improves as it goes along. But sacks and getting those turnovers, that's the mark of one of those defenses where you are really worried about said team when they come into your building. But I would say so far, just to answer the question, yes, the defense has lived up to the hype. Gerald Evero has definitely lived up to his billing as a coordinator. He's got guys flying to the football of uh, guys playing really good football. Some guys are picking up what they did last season and, and continuing on that path. And then he's got other guys like YGM that we just talked about in a previous segment that's out there getting the job done. So there's a, a, a lot to like about this defense. And so when you talk about some of the stars of this defense so far and who is the defensive MVP thus far, we worded it in our rundown Frankie Louvu, Brian Burns, or Derek Brown uh, thus far. And so when you look at some of the numbers on the guys on this squad, man, there's some guys having some big-time seasons in the grand scheme of things. And so if I had to point to a guy that I would say is the defensive MVP, I'm going with Derek Brown because when you look at the fact that he leads the team in tackles, not a middle linebacker, not a defensive back, but a big man down there that's playing multiple positions on the line, I'm going to show respect where it is due to a man that has 20 tackles so far this season, 15 solos. You're playing some football, dog. When you're down inside, 300-plus pound, 300-plus pound defender, getting out there and and battling, playing 3-4 defensive end, going down, playing a little nose, a little three technique, and you get 20 tackles, 
you're in the housing. He's got a sack on the season, uh, two tackles for loss as well. But I'm going to go with Derek Brown, man. He's playing really great football and uh, playing his way towards a big, big bag right now. I think Derek Brown has the case for the most complete defensive player on that side of the ball. Frankie Luva is the other one you would bring up. Coverage grade isn't great this season, but, man, he can do everything else. Had a bad tackling performance against Atlanta, but he's been all over the place the last two games especially and making the plays when he gets there. Frankie Louvu, the fact that he is so effective rushing the quarterback and is good with the other responsibilities at linebacker, I, I think it comes down between those two guys, but I'm going to roll with Derek Brown. So you look at – he just makes plays – wherever you need him to make a play, whether it's actually creating some pressure towards the quarterback. You mentioned the tackles that he's been able to accumulate. You talk about him being a run stuffer. Man, you need all the run stop you can get on this line, especially with an odd man front. Derek Brown has taken a lot of that responsibility. You've seen him little boy dudes out there in the NFL throwing guys to the ground. We can reference the Chris Lindstrom. That That's the number one guard last year. Just throwing them. I, that's embarrassing. I mean, look, I don't know how many embarrassing moments you've ever had like that, Wes, but that would have to be towards the top, just getting thrown to the ground like what Derek Brown was able <laughs> to do to you. Yeah, man, I, I have no problem with it being Brown. Burns' pass rushing has been very, very good, especially this last game and the first game. Second half against the Saints, a little quiet, but you know, we're asking for a pass rusher to produce a sack every half. Have you noticed that? Like, oh, he was quiet in the second half. It's like, man, I wonder if... Brian Burns didn't have the one and a half sack performance in the first half against Atlanta. If if you just split them up. So let's say you get one in the first half, half in the second. Are people looking at that performance differently, even though it's the same amount of production? So many people have said, oh, he's disappeared in the second half. Okay. They're still putting a lot of, uh, they're putting a lot of attention on him at that point, And he's still producing as one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. So, yeah, all three of those guys have, have been on on some great starts. You could pick any one of them and make a case. And so looking at Derek Brown and – or not Derek Brown, Brian Burns. And so everybody's been talking about the contract and is he going to get paid and things of that nature. And so when you look at the career that he's had thus far in Carolina, what he means to this team so far, even though the record may not look good, but this guy has been a – Fairly consistent performer for the Panthers as far as producing for them week in and week out. He's got 41 sacks uh, for his career right now, 48 tackles for loss. Would you consider Brian Burns an all-time Panther already, or does he still need to put in a little bit more work? Yeah, all-time is Ring of Honor name. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, I guess. like a guy that you would consider when you think about linebackers, defensive ends, whatever you want to pick. Uh, him as, would you consider him an all-time pamphlet? Not yet. And I love Brian Burns, but there's still he's got to get to the second contract, which hopefully the Panthers would help him on. It's not necessarily all Brian Burns' fault. He's trying to get the most money, so that's great. I want you to get the most money as much as you possibly can. But I think there's a second contract to be involved here with a few more years of production for this team. We've talked about the history on the defensive side before. Look at some of the other edge rushers that aren't quite good enough. Like, I love Mike Rucker. I I think probably not a, a Ring of Honor guy, but I love Mike Rucker, right? Very, very good. Charles Johnson, you know, in that same mold. Those guys have better production throughout their Panthers tenure, not at the beginning of their careers like Brian Burns has, but you're talking about overall. Yeah, those guys have posted some numbers, and if we don't think they'll make it, Burns leaves a little too early. 
then yeah, he, he probably needs a couple more years, but he's on track to. If he longevity would certainly take care of that if he produces at this level. I would agree with that. I think this season is going to go a long way towards that. If he ends up having a big time double digit sack season, and I'm talking over 12, 13 uh, sacks somewhere in that realm, I think that's definitely going to help him make his case. So. When you look at this defense as a whole, we know the second half against Seattle, things started to kind of fall apart. Do you feel like that that is something that we could be seeing going forward, especially with the offense like Minnesota's coming in? Or is this, do you feel like, is a win-now playoff caliber defense and all they need is a little bit more help from the offense? And then maybe kind of some of those things that we talked about, getting a few more turnovers, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, if you're asking me, do I trust this defense in a postseason setting? I do. I think this defense is good enough. I trust the mind working it. Now, with all the injuries, it's a little worrisome, no doubt. Uh, if you don't have J.C. Horn the rest of the year, it's a big miss. We don't have Shaq Thompson. Even if you've never been a huge fan of Shaq Thompson, he's an above-average linebacker. So that is going to be a big miss. That really hurts, Xavier Woods being out. The injuries make this a real wild card, Wes. But if you're asking me, do I trust them if these guys start to come back? Let's say you get J.C. Horn at the end of the season. You can guarantee me he won't get injured again. I know that's a long, I know that's a lofty goal. But if you can guarantee me that, Xavier Woods comes back, he starts playing, and you only really miss Shaq Thompson on that side of the ball, then yeah, I trust this defense. The injuries are going to be tough to overcome, though. I think that would be true for any unit in the NFL with as many injuries as they've suffered. Another injuries have been in. I want to see, though, I think... I think this next stretch of games is definitely going to tell us how good this defense is. Granted, I know they're missing some key players, but when you look at it, New Orleans, that's an offense that's still a work in progress with their offensive line uh, having issues as well. Atlanta, Desmond Ritter still trying to figure things out, not quite well, he was bad last game. defenses the way that uh, you would want to see a young quarterback do so. So their first real test from an offense with a uh, pretty good quarterback with Geno Smith. We know the comeback uh, player of the year deal and all of that that he had. And so Seattle was able to find some ways to exploit that defense in the second half. So with Minnesota coming in, Kirk Cousins, that offense, Justin Jefferson, then you got Detroit and the problems that they present with Jared Goff, who we'll see tonight in Thursday night football, and in Miami. And I think that if they do get lit up by Miami, I think there won't be any sweat off anybody's back for that because Miami's going to give a lot of teams the business. But if you can make it difficult for them uh, just enough, then I think that's a true sign that this defense is 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 really on that level. But I think these next three games are certainly going to paint yeah. us a better picture of the job that Ejiro Evero is doing as he's got uh, three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL coming up along with potent skill guys. I mean, the reason Minnesota is losing, it's not necessarily because of their offense, right? I mean, they put up 28 against Philadelphia. They put up 24 against the Chargers, which you would have liked more there, but there were some turnovers to talk about too, especially when you go back earlier in the season or against Philadelphia, Justin Jefferson had the red zone turnover, the fumble that goes out of the end zone, gives it right back to Philadelphia. So you're talking about some points being left there. It's a little wonky when you talk about sample size and averages, but you're right. These offenses, they can put up some points. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, lethal connection there. Detroit, Ben Johnson, the weapons they have. The offensive line is the best in football. And then Miami just put up 70. It's a tough stretch, no doubt about it. And on the other side of that, that's when maybe you can bounce back and bring your stats back down a little bit more, right? Like maybe you get 
you know, beat for 300 yards passing each of the next three games. You're going to need to rely on some turnovers. Hopefully Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff finally ended his interception streak. So maybe you can take some off of Jared Goff. Tua has thrown a couple. So, you know, maybe the turnovers need to be prevalent here for you to get by against these high potent offense. And that can get you to Houston, Indianapolis and Chicago, where it's going to be a little bit more of a breather. But you're right. Next three games for that side of the ball, Wes, it's going to be tough. Uh, those offenses are good. Yeah, the text line is definitely checking in on these topics. Rob says, I'm not seeing it with Burns. If it's that easy to scheme and shut him down, how is he worth huge money? I really didn't see his impact p- past the first half of the first game. He flashes here and there, and that's it. Uh, Barad Madison, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He said, I just don't see any game-changing moments. Where are the turnovers? Uh, then he says, does he have one interception in his career? Shaq uh, Thompson? He's yes. Talking about, yeah, I think he's talking about him. Uh, then Jay from Mount Holly says, love Evero, but my only concern is how many snaps he has to start as playing, especially Derek Brown. You can see the fatigue in the fourth quarter, especially when our offense isn't playing well. I think that's going to happen with any defense, man. If you got an offense that's not getting a job done, especially early in the game, and I think that Frank Reich talked about that, and he said that as well, that when you have an offense, especially early on, that's three and out, three and out, three and out, and the defense is out there like, yeah, it is going to come back to see you uh, later in those games when you have all of those snaps. But as I said, I think the upcoming games are really going to show us what this defense is all about. Well, I mean, and, and partly, again, I mentioned YGM only playing, you know, four snaps against Atlanta, and you've relied on him quite a bit. Some of this is just required because of injury. I, If we think this team doesn't have a lot of depth coming into this season – and then you have some of these injuries that we've talked about, then you're going to have to play. You can't go to your fourth stringer and just say, all right, well, we need to give this guy a breather. Man, that guy might get beat, and the offense is going to put up seven points. Yes. So you really can't take that chance a lot. Von Bell has the most snaps, 203 snaps so far this year, 190 for Dante Jackson, 180 for Derek Brown. That's a lot for a big dude. Brian Burns has posted, I'm looking his number up, 162. He got injured in the second game, rotating in the second half against the Saints. So, yeah, it's, you know, you got to rely on these guys because you're getting injured at a couple of key positions. Now, Sam Franklin, you're going to have to rely a lot on him. Maybe this opens the door for Jamie Robinson, by the way, to sneak back in there. Do you move back Jeremy Chin at all for some safety depth? You know, safety is the position where you have a little bit to work with, but these other positions, not nearly as much. Yeah, and so um, this is just going to be a, a fascinating uh, development to watch as the season goes on. And I think that people need to know, too, with pass rushes, man, you guys can't expect Brian Burns to get a sack every player, every quarter. The guy would have 40 sacks if that was the case. I think that Brian Burns, when there's plays to be made, he gets there. But I think the mark of a, a really good pass rusher is he's a nuisance all game long. And I think that teams definitely make adjustments towards him. And I think, though, you do see in the second half that he might not be getting there, but he's causing problems. He's getting in the quarterback's face. Like, you see that with him. And so I think that's something that people need to understand as well. They want to see these ginormous numbers from guys. But you have to understand that that's just going to be something that is par for the course for a pass rusher. They're going to pop in and get a sack every now and again. And then you might not hear from them for a while. But as long as they are bringing it on the defensive side and really causing the the defense trouble, then I think that's what you're looking for. Well, and, and he didn't show up as much against New Orleans. So it's the, the first and the third game that you're talking about. But I thought he was good in, in both of those games. 
you know, being disruptive, I went down some of the ways that he affected the offense, even if he didn't get home, right? You're talking about, you know, bringing up a uh, a holding penalty on somebody that was grabbing him when Desmond Ritter was rolling outside of the pocket. You know, you're you're talking about him forcing a false start. Even if he doesn't get home, these are the things right, people talk about. Things, yeah. yeah, and that's an impact. So, yeah, against New Orleans... Had that first edge rush where uh, I think Derek Carr was sacked by maybe Derek Brown in that game. Mm -hmm. Brian Burns was a part of it right off the rip and then was quiet the rest of the way. Second half got injured as we talked about, but he's back. He's a full go. You saw him against Seattle and then I think really had his presence felt. There was a time where they had touchdown momentum. Brian Burns gets the sack when they were getting beat for big chunks because Dante Jackson got beat. That's the thing. He can save you if your defense is starting to reel. Brian Burns showed you he can even save you to limit a touchdown to a field goal. Monster plays. Yeah, I. if you don't think he's a top five edge rusher, that's fine. You got more than enough evidence to suggest that. But we can't act like Brian Burns in the top ten. Like, he's a good edge rusher in this league. All right, Fitty, last flash of the day. Let's get it. Don't know if y'all saw this last night in the baseball world. Even I did not see this. But a Philadelphia Phillies fan and he's and his emotional support alligator, Wally, were denied entrance into the game at Whoa. home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, a fan identified by the name as Joe Henney and his... Five-foot alligator, Wally, who was on a leash, were not allowed into the building by uh, by ballpark rules. First off, have you guys ever heard of a support alligator? And if not, or if so, what is the most uh, odd support animal you've ever heard of? That's wild. I'm not buying for one minute that that support alligator was there for that. And he would have to know how dangerous and how much that would startle the patrons at the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it. Uh, I haven't heard of anybody having an animal like that for support animals. It's always been dogs in my book, but... Well, I mean, you get these stories quite a bit, so I'll remember some stories where I think it's especially prevalent when people try to bring animals on a plane. So I think there was an emotionally uh, emotional support peacock one time. Yeah, that's one that comes to mind. You can get some wild animals in there. I looked up the alligator in question. (laughs) This guy has the alligator on a harness and he looks like he's just chilling. Yeah. He's kind of cute. He is. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for saying it. I was feeling it. No, you can't allow the alligator. You talk about liability. You can't allow an alligator into a sporting event. But if it was me and I was looking around, I'd look over one shoulder, look over the other. I was like, okay, go ahead, sneak in. (laughs) Be a better story. And I'd get a shout out. So, yeah, alligator's cute. Okay, by my book. But understand why you can't allow an alligator to a sporting event. I think I'd get a tiger and try to go to a Panthers game. What do you think? As long as it was cute, I might let you in. (laughs) All right, no doubt. But when we come back, we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Happy National North Carolina Day to you. For you, we play some Petey Pablo. Willie's got to be loving the show this week. It's the second time we've gone to Petey Pablo this week. Rumor has it that he is—he uh, shed a tear. Yes. 
Willie Pablo. Love it. <laughs> Willie Pablo. We're going to have him on, I believe, at Hornets Media Day. We're going to be out there at the Spectrum Center on Monday getting ready for the season. We'll talk to Willie Pablo. It'll be a lot of fun, so make sure you check us out, as you do every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. We were talking about emotional support animals, and it's the first time that I realized how Possum Brian on the text line got his name. He texted us, and he said, My Frankie the Possum is the source of my name. He sent a picture of Frankie on his left shoulder looking right into the camera. Man, he's a cute possum. Not going to lie. Frankie, I know it's a weird thing to say, but Frankie's pretty cute. And if we think the alligator is, you got to give love to Frankie. Shout out to Possum Brian and his Possum Frankie. Here's the only question that has to be asked. Possum Brian, do you have a significant other? Because <laughs> if if Walker has the fish tank and he has one, and Possum Brian has a possum and he has a lover, then I'm going to get me an animal. And I just don't know, should I go get a... A ferret? No, I don't think you should get a ferret. Now, here I am embracing the possum. I don't know about their hygiene, especially if they're going to eat trash, if they're mm-hmm. you know, going to go into the trash cans. But, man, ferrets, they just always kind of feel a little dirty to me. And sorry for anybody out mm. there with a ferret. They're cute, too. I mean, ferret fitty. I mean, there's got the alliteration. Yeah, it works. on the possum and the ferret. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to bring home a ferret or a possum. That probably wouldn't go over well. But if you wanted to get a ferret or another animal, I'd probably go with with the field compared to a ferret. Get something that you could go walk if you wanted to. I guess the alligator was on a harness. <laughs> do you want to go get a gator, Fitty? No, I've, I'm I'm I've got too many dreams about alligators eating me to to have a, one as a pet. Oh no. Yeah. Really? Is a recurring dream? What's going on with gators? I did. I had one like a few months ago where I. Uh, I was in a house full of alligators, and it, it didn't end well. <laughs> what a weird dream. Wow. What are you on? Uh, Possum Brian, he wrote back in. He says, I do. My wife loves Frankie. They're very clean. They clean themselves like a cat. Hey, go get a possum, Fitty. Word from Poss- Possum Brian. Moose said you could go get a flamingo. Oh, dude, a flamingo would be badass. It'd be pretty cool. And I, I've got I've got water where I where I live at. I got a nice little homemade pond. <laughs> Can you imagine driving up to Fitty's house and seeing a flamingo with its one foot up looking right at you as you drive into the driveway? Right. What I name the flamingo? I don't know. Frank. Yeah. You know, Fred. Oh, you can name it Frankie as well. You can name it Fred. Something like that. Has a ginger wife. We're looking. We're learning all about possums today. Has a ginger wife wrote in. Possums carry no disease at all. Actually, they're very clean. I apologize. I apologize to the possum community. A pet possum. I didn't realize that. I don't know if that possum would last too long in uh, historic Lancaster. It's historic Monroe now. It's it's a little bit safer. Either place, I don't think it would make it. It'd probably be on somebody's dinner plate. All right, Moose is a big fan of you getting a bird, apparently, because <laughs> he just rode in a penguin as well, which that'd be cool as well. <laughs> I'd get an uh, emotional support bald eagle. Oh, that, see, now you have, to, you have to go through some raptor training there. Yeah. You know how the people will bring the eagle to the stadium events? you got to go through some training. Yeah. But if you did that, if you dedicated yourself to it, Wes, I believe in you. I name him uh, Egbert, Egbert the Eagle, and he'd be a terror. Wes, I'm not gonna lie, that's the lamest name I've ever heard of in my life. Not even people meant to be. It's meant to be. It's meant to be lame because he would be a terror, and when people got on my nerves, I just unleash him. Egbert, I'd say, fly, Egbert, fly. (laughs) You'd be a falconer back in the medieval times. Yeah, I'd be like, fly, Egbert. Ooh, a sloth. Return, Egbert. As soon as you hate on his name. 
I'm letting them go. All right, yeah, we're asking what kind of emotional support animal anybody might get next. James from Concord said you should get a sloth. We've got Ew. we've got bald eagles out here. People are saying no to the ferret. 704 said spider monkeys are cool. Yeah, but anything you have to put in a diaper because you can't train them, I'm not going to get a spider I'm monkey. I'm going to attack you like a spider monkey. Uh, we were watching Talladega <laughs> Nights the other day, and I contend as far as any comedies go, that dinner scene might be my favorite scene. It's up there, man. It's up there. I mean, it's what'd you guys do today? We threw Grandpa Chip's old war medals off the bridge. <laughs> it's, we watched it the other day. It's hilarious. I love man. when the grandma got him though. When they were screaming anarchy, and then the grandma came and gave him a little smack. That's not a grandma. You, you gonna are. tame us like wild horses, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that one's great. And but, she is she better in that, or is she better as the psychiatrist in Two and a Half Men? Oh man, she was dope as that. But I gotta give her the Granny and Talladega Nights, man. That's not that's a, an old school Southern grandma boy that she played on this. She wasn't having it. No, ain't no way you're messing with that. What do you think, Fiddy? Is she better in Talladega Nights or as the therapist for uh, Charlie Harper? Ooh. I think I'll still go Talladega Nights, but it's it's not by much because I love her in, in Two and a Half Men. Um, I do want to bring Kyle on the mic just real quickly. I didn't know if you uh, sorry, I didn't know if you knew this. I, I'm guessing you did. I didn't realize the Possum Brian got his name because the dude owns a possum. Yeah, he sent me pictures. Just yeah. got it. He's yeah, got it's pictures. A beautiful possum. If you could yeah. get it is. I've never heard that before, but it is. It really is a beautiful. Well, no, I had, like all my like everybody had a party spot in college, right? So my, a lot of my friends went to Radford University, so I'd make the trek across county to go see them on the weekends sometimes. And like I had six, rad. six of my guys living in an apartment on, a, on the ground floor. One night we look up, the upstairs neighbors are out partying, and there are not one, there's not one but two baby raccoons. I'm sorry, baby possums, I apologize. You know, just walking along the rails. And of course, we're all freaking out, like where these things come from. And these two dudes pop out like, nah, bro, <laughs> Jeff and Tim. And it's like... <laughs> Oh, neat. They're like, yeah, we've, we uh, we found them. We've been raising them since they were pups. And I'm like, you got shots for those things? And he's like, nah, we'll get around to it. <laughs> yeah, that is asking to yeah. have rabies. Yeah. See, you got to understand a certain type of people to know of people that have raccoons named Jeff and Tim. Yeah, plus yeah. like with people naming animals like regular human names is also just like wildly. Like I, my roommate had a Rottweiler named Steve. It's so I, I lived with a Rottweiler Kyle, named Steve. I, I, I relate to you so hard on this. There was one time I was at my buddy's house last story a big like 35 40 pound unhealthy good god you might need to put it down fat cat walks into the living room and reaches up at the couch because he can't jump like the cat is so fat he can't jump onto the couch and i say oh man you know it's a big old cat we start laughing what's his name guy goes it's christopher yeah it's great Roll. <laughs> we started dying hysterical it's like hey Chris. what's your dog's name melvin yeah why? so good. <laughs> why did you melvin. do <laughs> Come yes. in, melvin. all right yeah that's fantastic i have a question i have right. a question what's your right. question because yeah, I mean, you boys brought this to my attention like I, I actually would have found it because i regularly look to see what today's national holiday is uh-huh um with today being national north carolina day we are going to spend the next three hours just rattling off random facts about the state of North Let's Carolina. Let's go, man. Let's Love do it. Does anybody have a favorite fact about the state of North Carolina that they just can spit off the top of their head? Oh, man. I know some of the state things. We right? have uh, professional sports teams and major sports that never win anything. Correct. That's not a fun fact. It's not a fun uh, fact. No, it's not a fun fact. <laughs> How about the state fish, Channel Bass? Ooh, that's look my at that. Of course he would know that, right, Betty? Of course he would know that. It's a good one. Like, for instance, the very first family dollar ever, North Carolina. Like, that's that's a thing that a lot of people don't know. That sounds about right. Well, what's that supposed to mean? Family dollars is a great establishment.
You need cheap so stuff. So is this state. Huh? So is this state. Wow. All right, we continue to celebrate <laughs> National North wow. Carolina Day with Kyle and Smoke. Take it over. Wow. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.